people, my public, my friends, and welcome to another exciting edition of Coyote Calls with Mike Cherpak. Hey, hey, okay, so let me start out just by telling you how much I love all of you. I mean, I love you all so much that I actually sat through that entire game four from start to finish, paying attention through the entire game just so that I could come at you with another exciting episode of Coyote Calls. Holy moly, I don't know where the Coyotes were yesterday, but they definitely did not show up to play a hockey game. And there's so much that can be said about the bad play. And so I really started looking for some uh, positives because, you know, I like to go both ways. I like to have a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. I want to give you the negatives, but I also want to give you the positives. And as the game was going on, I thought, okay, you better really pay attention if you're going to try and find something positive to talk about. Hey, we scored a power play goal, and it was Jacob Chikrin. And so both of those things were absolutely fantastic if they weren't completely overshadowed by a completely underwhelming performance by the entire group that showed up or seemingly showed up for the game. So, you know, we have to do what has to be done and first of all talk about all of the things that went wrong but let me start out by saying that my twitter feed was full of uh we got to get rid of talk we need to make adjustments next season uh, you know lots of major stuff and i, I want to caution everyone to take a breath relax, chill out. We have to remember that the Arizona Coyotes are a team that play a lot of one-goal games. They are focused on their defense. You wouldn't know it from yesterday's game, but they focus a lot on their defense. And then every once in a while, they break out for a big game. And let me go ahead and comment on that a little bit further. Um, I was getting ready for the game to start yesterday and kind of thinking about, you know, in my mind what needs happen. When I was young and playing hockey myself, before each game, once I was dressed down in my gear, I would sit in the locker room and just kind of get into my own head, you know, look down at my skates and imagine playing a great game. And I would imagine making that perfect pass for an assist or that perfect shot for a goal or a great defensive back check play or, you know, whatever. I wanted to see all of that in my mind's eye. Well, still to this day, when we're getting ready to go into a game, I, I think about what do the Coyotes need to do? What what needs to happen? How are we going to play this game? And I, and I had a premonition. I had a premonition. First, I remembered being at a game during the 1920 season, 
2019-2020 season and watching the Coyotes play the Tampa Bay Bolts and just shellacking them. I remember 7-1. to one. I remember the score, 7-1. to one. And I thought in my head, right then I thought, this game is going to go 7-1. to one. Game four is going to go 7-1. to one. It's about time for a big offensive burst. I forgot to say by the Arizona Coyotes. And, boy, don't you know that I was laughing out loud when Colorado scored the seventh goal. And uh, it's, it was just a shame. It was a, it was a difficult game to watch. But as I was starting to say, we have to remember that, that these things happen. They happen to the Coyotes. They happen from the Coyotes. Every once in a while, we see that same kind of offensive uh, burst. Uh, but the Coyotes are performing instead of underperforming. So before we get all excited and and you know clean house and fire coaches and all that stuff, we have to remember that we deservedly are in the postseason for the first time since 2011-2012. And under Rick Tockett, we've been working towards that. We are not a team that's going out and buying tons of talent. That's not our MO. It's just not the way the Coyotes are set up. And so we try and make strategic moves. We try and bring in the right pieces. But most importantly, we try and consistently improve. And um, so, you know, say what you want about the people behind the scenes, the people behind the bench, and the people on the bench. Three years ago, when we started this build, I'm not going to call it a rebuild because we've been rebuilding for 12 years, but as we started this new direction of a build, um, I had my doubts, and here we are playing meaningful games in the postseason. So, hey, you know, got to take that with a grain of salt when people start calling for all kinds of major changes. With that said, I don't disagree that there have been some not so great moves made. And um, I'm going to go out ahead and I'm going to go ahead and come out and tell you what I think those are. Um, I still am completely unsold on um, Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel. And I like to be consistent. I like to make observations that are not judgments. And I have been saying pretty much since day one of the 2019-2020 season that Phil Kessel does not seem to fit in this group. I don't know if he's unmotivated, disinterested, ready to retire, didn't want to come to Arizona. I mean, I don't know what it is. At the end of the regular season, he was saying he had been paying injured. He was excited about the postseason. And I know he's put some points on the board in the postseason, but nothing like what we were sold on when he joined us last summer. Completely uninspired brand of hockey by Phil Kessel. Taylor Hall 
same thing from the first game he played with us on. Even when he had good games, I was saying he does not seem to want to play with this group or doesn't feel he's a good fit with this group. Now, let me tell you that I do like his hard-nosed game. I do. I like that he's blocking shots. I like that he hits guys in the corner, that he'll take a hit to make a play. But he makes some bonehead plays. He really does. Um, and I was <laughs> I don't know how many of you are older hockey fans, but uh, growing up in Chicago back in the 70s, you know, we had a guy named Dennis Hall, and he was not a bad player, not bad at all. But the big joke was that Dennis Hall would constantly trip over the blue line. I mean, he'd be coming up the boards all alone, skating into the offensive zone, and out of nowhere, he'd fall as he crossed the blue line. And Taylor Hall kind of reminds me of Dennis Hall. <laughs> Last name's only off by one letter. But it seems like he'll come from his own defensive end. He'll make a quick move. He'll make a nice move. He'll get around and then into the offensive zone and either lose the puck or fall down. And I don't know what that's about. Trying to do too much maybe. But uh, I just don't see where the fit is. So I do agree that we're going to be looking at some changes, uh, you know, in the short off season, and maybe instead of spending a ton of money trying to keep those two guys, it might be time to uh, look in another direction. Okay, speaking of bonehead plays, Oliver Ekman Larson made a defensive error that led to the first goal of the game, and it's something that I was really surprised to see him do. I had seen um, in the Blackhawks Knights game. Uh, the day before, I think it was, or the day before, the game before that, the same thing, where as the uh, opponent is breaking out of their own zone, instead of backing up and absorbing the attack, the defenseman steps up and tries a poke check in the neutral zone, misses the poke check, and now everybody's trying to get back to stop a three-on-one. And he should know better than that. OEL's been around a long time now, and he should know better than against a powerful offensive team like the Colorado Avalanche. He should know better than to try and step up and make that play, especially at that particular time in the game when there was really no reason to do that. Second bonehead play goes to Brad Richardson. And I'm sorry, we can love him because of everything he's done in this postseason, and I do love him, but... You know, a stupid, call it a weak call, but it was also a weak attempt at a one-handed grab. And you just can't do that. You can't reach around and try and grab a guy. You got to keep both hands on your stick. Led to a goal, uh, led to a shorthanded uh, goal. In other words, he was in the penalty box and and we got scored on. So you know, another dumb move. Um, when you get down two or three to nothing to a team like the Colorado Avalanche, and this is something that the Coyotes are going to have to learn to do eventually. When, when they're up three nothing, Colorado, they are going to put their foot on your throat and they are going to make you pay. And that's what we saw. They should have pulled Kemper after the first period, in my opinion, because absolutely nobody 
was playing that game in front of him. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about that, not to be a Debbie Downer, but there's just a couple of more observations I need to be able to make after the break. So right now we're going to take a really quick short break, and we're going to come back at you with the second segment right after this. If you are looking for an exciting, non-stop, non-contact sport, utilizing many of the strategies of hockey, you have got to try out the new sport of Sabaki Ball. You can get more information about Sabaki Ball at S-A-B-A-K-I-Ball.com. That's SabakiBall.com. Okay, so we are back, and uh, let's talk a little bit more about the lethargic play, just because I want you all to realize that what we had happening yesterday was an elite team in the Colorado Avalanche, and they are. They're an elite team. You know, some people have them going all the way to the finals. Some people have them winning the cup. So they're an elite team. And so what we ran into yesterday was an elite team playing at the top of their game versus a okay team, a good team, playing at the bottom of their game. And that's why it was so lopsided. So Colorado fans can go ahead and rejoice. This is what we knew was going to happen. But the fact of the matter is, you know, that was the fourth game. And the first three weren't anything lopsided. So yesterday was not the norm. And the first three games were. And we can call wins and losses. Yep, they beat us two of those first three. Uh, but the second game was very close. One bad bounce away from uh, going into a possible overtime and a possible W. So what could have been, what should have been, blah, blah, blah. But... The first three games of the series were what I, and hopefully you, expected out of the Coyotes. First time back in the playoffs for a long, in a long time, and uh, you know, you're going to play these guys hard, you're going to play it tight, you'll come away with one or two victories, and okay, great, nice showing. But from the very drop of the puck, have you ever had one of those dreams where you're running down a hallway and you're running as hard as you can, but you just don't seem to be getting anywhere. It feels like you're running in mud and you can't pick up your feet and the end of the hallway is getting further and further away. And from the very drop of the puck, I think that's where the Coyotes were. They were stuck in that nightmare of feet being stuck in molasses and the end of the hallway just getting further and further away. And what happens, what has to happen to pull you out of that funk? Well, a lot of times what has to happen is your coaching staff realizes within the first 15 minutes of the game, certainly when it's three zip, most definitely when it's four zip, that you pull your goalie. And this is not because the goalie's playing bad, okay? Keep that in mind. If you're new to hockey, pulling your goalie is often a, 
uh, tool used to motivate the rest of your team. Because the rest of your team sitting on the bench going, you know, hey, Camper wasn't playing bad. We just weren't playing in front of them. And now they're going to pull Camper, and that's a wake-up call for the bench to start, you know, playing harder. And it, and it just never happened. It just never happened. It didn't help that Ronta gave up two goals on two shots to start his comeback postseason. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's something that when you're at this time of year in the postseason and you as a player cannot get it together enough to show up as a team, as a team. I mean, it's one thing for a player, two players, three players, to not be ready to play. Um, and Coach Tockett talks about that. You know, this is a 22-man effort. You cannot have anybody along for the ride. That's just not the way this team is built. Everybody has to show up to play. And we, saw, we see from time to time the result when three or four guys are kind of just tagging along. But this was a full team effort at not playing hockey hard. And I, I just don't, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I am looking forward to tomorrow's game five just for some redemption. Okay. Uh, let's, if we don't come away with a victory in that game five, okay, I can live with that, but we definitely want to see the effort. Come on, man. Let's make it an OT game if we're going to lose this game. Let's, let's, let's keep it within one or two goals, you know. Let's come out and put two or three or four goals up on the board and, and make Colorado have to respond. Because what you don't want to have happen is you don't want to go into this first postseason uh, play for the first time in a long time. You don't want to go into that and leave with a sour taste. You know, you want to be able to leave it going, okay, we had one bad game, but we had three good games. You know, the first game wasn't all that great, but, you know, uh, you know, we came out, we tried our hardest, we, we did well, and now we've got experience going into next season. So we got to try and keep it close. we got to come out there with energy. I have not seen any updates on Connor Garland and whether he's going to be ready to go. I'm going to be looking at that here in just a few minutes. Hopefully after noon, they'll be uh, giving some more clear direction on that. That would be sad to see him lost, but definitely want to make sure he's healthy for going into next season. And so what I think needs to happen is regrouping on the coaching side of things, maybe a players-only quick meeting, you know, and call themselves out. And then let's see what we can do here in game five. That's all the time I've got for today. Thanks for listening as always. And I'll come back at you here after game five.